Good morning. It's good to see everybody. Welcome to Seacoast Church uh, this weekend. If you're new to Seacoast, my name is Josh Surratt. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we're glad that you guys are here, uh, both here in Mount Pleasant, and we're also glad if you are joining us online or you are at one of our 12 locations around South Carolina and North Carolina. We're excited to have you guys with us as well. Uh, we do have many different locations here. One of the things I love about having a lot of different locations is um, it just gives us an opportunity to, to show Christ's love in different communities. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of rain here lately. I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not. But uh, after the floods, all of our campuses reached out in some way or another, and uh, we saw God do some really cool things. But I wanted to give a shout out to our our Somerville campus. Uh, they were really active in the community, and in fact, they have now been set up as a uh, FEMA disaster relief location. They'll be serving in that capacity for the rest of this year. So hundreds of people, seven days a week, are coming through the doors of our Somerville campus and being served and loved on. And so let's give it up, all of our campuses for the Somerville campus. Good job, you guys. Excited about what's happening up there. So last weekend, uh, after church, great message by Jeff Surratt. I'm laying down on my couch. I was kind of drifting back and forth between an afternoon nap and watching some football. Kids are outside playing in the yard. Lisa's working in the garage. It's a pretty typical day for us. And, um, and so I'm sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden I hear Lisa shout my name. And it was kind of, husbands, you know this if you're married. It was, it was a kind of she said my name in such a way that I knew I needed to get there quickly. There was something that needed my attention. And so I got up and I went down and checked out the garage where she was. I said, what's going on, babe? Apparently, as she was reorganizing the garage, she disturbed a snake that had taken up residence in our Christmas decorations. So this is a problem. What kind of snake was it, you ask? It was either a pit viper or an anaconda. I can't tell the difference between the two, but it was... Here's the deal. I have no idea. They say to check if the, if the head is diamond-shaped or whatever. They all look diamond-shaped to me. So I don't know what it was, but I'm going to assume, and I did in the moment, that it was a, a man-eating snake, that kind. And so Lisa's looking at me like I'm supposed to do something about this. <laughs> Women think that men, at some point in our journey, we just go through some sort of training to prepare us for moments like this. And so I realized it's, it's me. I mean, I'm the man for the job. And so I thought, I'm not going to let them down. I'm not going to let them think that I don't know what I'm doing. So I sprung into action. It was like, all right, let's, let's do this. You know, I, I'm going to get this thing. And so I said, hey, uh, Miles, grab me a bucket. Grab me a bucket. And so Miles grabs me this. He, I'm, I'm like, uh, all right. Um, well, thank you. So I, I've got this bucket in one hand, and I'm kind of chasing this snake around. And I thought, I'll yell at him. You know, Hey! Hey, snake, get out of my garage. And he's like, dude, like I know how to deal with a shovel, but I don't know what exactly how to, what, what to make of a guy with a bucket yelling at me. And so I would grab him by the tail. I'd pick him. Yeah, I know. Not a good move. Okay. Don't grab snakes by the tail. I've had a lot of people offer advice over the weekend now on how to handle it. But I grab him by the tail and he would turn around and strike at me. So I would drop him and, you know, I'd kind of get around and I'd grab him. But eventually, eventually I'd I bucketed this snake right out of my garage, and I saved the day, honestly, for my family. It was pretty, pretty amazing. And um, thank you. That is exactly what I expected to see and hear from my family. They didn't offer that kind of encouragement. But at least in my eyes, I, I, I maintained my status as a hero in the life of my family. You know, how many of you agree a snake in the garage is, is a problem, a problem that you've got to deal with? The truth is, a lot of us have problems that we've got to deal with, you know, uh, d different kinds of problems. This weekend, we're going to be talking about an epic story 
from Scripture, a story where the nation of Israel dealt with a major problem, a, 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 a huge issue in their day. The story is the story of David and Goliath. And chances are, whether you've been at church very long or maybe you've been in church all your life or you're here for the first time today, you probably have heard about this story. Epic showdown where David takes on his Goliath. This weekend, we're going to look at what does it look like to tackle a Goliath. The truth is, in my life and in your life, we all have Goliaths. We're all going to face them from time to time. What's a Goliath? Anything in your life that on the surface, it looks bigger than your ability to handle it. That's a Goliath. How many of you would say there's something going on in your life right now that on the surface, it looks like it's bigger than my ability to handle it? Yeah, a lot of us feel like we've, we've faced Goliaths or we're facing them or maybe we're going to in the future. Some of us facing an opportunity, Goliath. It's, it's an opportunity in front of us. Maybe it's a dream or a vision or a, a, an idea that you have, but it feels like it's too big for you to handle, at least on the surface. Some of us face relationship Goliaths. You know, maybe it's in your marriage and there's a big issue that you're facing in your marriage. And on the surface, it just feels like it's, it's too big for you to handle. It's a Goliath. Some of us are facing financial Goliaths. You know, every weekend on the Connect card that you guys got, got when you came in, there's a place where you can put prayer requests on that card. And every week, our staff prays over those cards. And, and I know this week in particular, and it seems like over the last several months, there have been financial Goliaths. Maybe there's a bill that's coming due or a debt that you have that on the surface, it just feels like it's too much for you to handle. There are physical Goliaths, diseases. All of us eventually will face the Goliath of, of death. And for some of us, maybe that seems more imminent than others. Sometimes Goliaths are in the form of an addiction. You know, maybe you have an addiction to drugs or alcohol or, or pornography or Double stuffed Oreos. You know, we've all got our things, right? Our, our, our stuff that we deal with. Goliaths that we face. You know, if the stats are true, about 25% of us today are dealing with the Goliath of, of anxiety or, or depression. And it's this emotional and physical cloud that just follows us everywhere we go. And, and you've just kind of learned how to deal with it. Maybe you've even given up the idea of, of slaying your Goliath, of actually defeating it. What's your Goliath? What, what's the Goliath that you're facing today? Maybe it's something that you don't even really like to, to bring it up anymore because, because you've dealt with it so long and you've just kind of given up the, the, the idea that you might overcome it. Life just maybe feels a little bit out of control for you. A lot of times Goliaths show up in the form of fear or maybe in our kids or our career, but we all face them. And we're in a series right now that we're calling Poets, Prophets, and Kings. And we've been looking at some different characters from the Old Testament uh, of, of, uh, of the Bible. And the, many of these characters led in, in uncertain times. And we're looking at how do we learn how to live in uncertain times, lead in uncertain times. And I love the fact that we're covering David and Goliath this weekend, because in David, you, you've got this guy who at the time during this story, he was a shepherd. His job was to tend sheep in the field, but deep inside of his soul, he knew that he was created for more. He knew that he was a king, that God had wired him and had anointed him to be a king. And, and he, was, he was made for more than what he was currently living in. And in order for him to become what God had called him to become, he had to face Goliath. And you know, the truth is for all of us, I believe that God has a calling on our lives. He's got a purpose that he's created us for. The Bible says that we're, we're a masterpiece 
And he, he has great things that he wants to do inside of each of us as a king or a queen, and he's got incredible things. But likely, if we're going to step into all that God has for us, we're going to have to learn how to overcome Goliaths in our lives. So the, the, the story happens in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, you may want to turn there. Maybe you have your smartphones. We'll have some of the scriptures on the screen as well. But let's look at what does it take for us to kill giants and become kings in our own right? The first thing I think we have to learn from the story is if we want to do that, we've got to learn to embrace the preparation seasons in our lives. Embrace the preparation seasons in our lives. We were in Israel with a team uh, here from Seacoast a couple of months ago, and we had the incredible privilege to, to actually stand and, and pray and talk on the scene. Uh, it's called the Valley of Elah, where this epic battle took place. And I want to show you a clip here that we took while we were there. And as you will see in it, David's faith journey, his, his journey to overcoming Goliath began long before his moment in this valley. I think the first thing that we can learn when we look at the life of David is that if we're going to be great, if we're going to do incredible things, if we're going to accomplish great things, we have to be willing to embrace the preparation seasons of our life. You know, I'm standing here in a place called the Valley of Elah. And this is a valley that is known as one of David's great victories. In fact, it would be the time that David really came onto the scene uh, in the eyes of the people of Israel as, as a future great leader. And, and, and we can learn some things about David in this, but if we really wanna know what made David a great leader, I think there's a scripture that sums it up better than any other. It's in Psalms 78, and it's verses 70 to 72. It says, he, being God, chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And it says in verse 72 that David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led him. So he had skill and he had heart. He led with skilled hands and he led with a heart of character. And I think when we're in the preparation seasons of our lives, that's when God is developing skill and he's developing character. And no story better shows that than what took place right here in the Valley of Elah. This is the scene of David and Goliath, David's great victory over Goliath. Now, I'll give you a little bit of context because we're here. There's two hills. Uh, on one hill, you have the Israelite army. On the hill, on the other side, you have the army of the Philistines. And right down in the middle is a valley. That's where the battle would have taken place. And, and, and the way they did the battle, instead of having a big slaughter where the armies kill each other, each army sends out their best man, their best person for the job, which makes sense until the Israelites looked out and saw the man that the Philistines put forward, this giant Goliath. He stood head and shoulders above any other person. He was the champion. He was huge. And so for 40 days, Goliath taunts the nation of Israel. You know what's interesting about the number 40? Uh, you see the number 40, that's how many years the Israelites wandered in the wilderness. The number 40, that's the number of days that Jesus was out in the wilderness. 40 represents testing. So for 40 days, the, the army of Israel is being tested. They're being taunted by Goliath. And this is where David enters the scene. David, at the time, he's a shepherd. Uh, he's the youngest of eight children. Uh, his job, you know, the youngest kids, some of you are the youngest child. You know, you always get the bad jobs. His job was to, to watch his dad's sheep. You know, that's what he was called to do in this moment. But really, what David recognized, it, it was a season of preparation for him. Because for 40 days, nobody stepped up. 
Nobody said, hey, I'll fight him. I'll take him out until this shepherd comes onto the scene. And because of what God taught him in the preparation years of his life, he was prepared to take on Goliath. You know, the story goes that David comes in and he kind of gets the lay of the land. He asks some people, hey, what's going on? You know, tell me what's happening. And, and the king overhears David talking to some other guys saying, hey, why, why, I'll fight him, I'll take him out. And the king sits David down and he says, David, you can't do it. I, I love your heart, I love your gusto, but you, you're too small, you're too young, you don't have what it takes to beat Goliath. And look what David says to the king. It's in 1 Samuel 17, and it's in verse 34. David told Saul, he said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Remember, preparation season. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. And he looks at the king and he says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. But what did David draw on when his moment came, when it was time for him to step up, when it was time for him to take out the giant? He drew on his season of preparation. What did God do during the season of preparation? He worked on his skill and he worked on his heart. You know, David in, in, the, in the fields, what would he have been doing? He, he would have been learning how to throw a sling, to throw a rock through a sling. The, the, these shepherds would, they take a sling and they would fend off the bear, the lion with the sling. And essentially he was becoming a, a marksman. You know, our current uh, metaphor for that would be a sniper in the military. He was learning how to, how to take out objects from a long ways away with a sling. He was being prepared, his skill was being prepared. And so while everyone looked at this giant and said, he's too big, I can't take him. Essentially, you know, we tell the story as David's the underdog, not so much. David would win that fight 10 times out of 10 because he was a skilled marksman. He was a skilled slinger uh, as they would have called it back in that day. And so David looks at this guy and says, I can hit him. I can hit him from 200 yards away. Let me do it. God's been developing my skill in the preparation season. But the other thing that God develops in this preparation season is his heart. It's his character. You know, I was thinking about that. If I'm a shepherd, I've got a flock of sheep and a lion comes and takes one, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna say, hey, enjoy your meal. You know, it's not worth the fight. You know, but David, is, his character is being developed. And even for the one, it represents God's heart for the one, he goes after him. When no one else is in the field, no one's watching, he could have easily explained away why the lion took the sheep. But David, his character is being developed and he steps up. And when no one's looking, he does the right thing. See, David, we know him as a great leader because he had skilled hands and he had a heart of character. Where did he get those? He got them in the preparation seasons of life. So let me ask you a question. Are, are, are you in a season of preparation? Maybe God has put a, a gift in you. He's put a desire in you. He's put a dream or a vision in your heart, but your current reality doesn't reflect that. You know, you have the heart of a business owner, but right now you're in school. You know, you're in a season of preparation or maybe you're an intern or maybe you're working for somebody that you really can't stand. You know, maybe you're a mom and, and, and you, have a, you have a dreams for your kids, but right now it's, it's diapers and it's, you know, it's, it's naps and it's meals and it's take, taking them from one place to the next. You know, you're in a season of preparation. Don't despise the small beginnings. Don't despise the preparation seasons in our lives. It's in those seasons that stuff is happening inside of us. Skill is being developed, 
and character is being developed so that when our moment comes, when our valley of Elah comes, we can, much like David did, he came down that hill and he said, you may come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you in the name of the God of Israel. And he slayed the giant. And it was in that moment that in the eyes of the people and in his heart, he became a king. So the first thing we can learn about the makings of a king is that we've got to be willing to embrace the preparation seasons in our life. So if you're in a preparation season in your life, you know, you're, you know that God has a plan for you, but right now you feel like you're kind of, you're not there yet or you're, you're, you're in training. I wanna give you a, a confidence building thought. You know, I'm thinking about my buddy Jim helps me coach my son in some of the sports, but in baseball, when he's swinging, I, I wanna give him one thought. You know, usually it's get your elbow up and it's just, if, if you can be thinking about one thing, it'll help you. So if you're in a preparation season, here's a thought for you, a giant killing thought. Instead of I deserve better, I'm gonna ask how can I get better? Instead of thinking I deserve better, I'm gonna ask how can I get better? Because when you're in a preparation season, it's easy for our mind to get to this place of, man, I deserve more than this. I, I shouldn't have to be working for this person. Or you will have people, even friends, that'll go, hey, you deserve more. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna entertain that thought. Say, all right, God, how am I gonna develop my skill and how am I gonna develop my character during this season as long as it has to last? But we have to embrace the preparation seasons of our life. A second thought that we can learn from this story, if we're gonna kill giants, if we're gonna remove those major obstacles that stand between us and accomplishing everything that God has for our lives, we have to be willing to put our giants into perspective. Put your giant into perspective. A lot of times giants are a lot scarier on the megaphone uh, than they are in real life. And, and that was the case with Goliath. Even though he was a very real champion, he, he, he sounded a lot worse than he was. Look what it says in verse uh, eight. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt. Notice it says he shouted. He taunted them across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion. You are mere servants of Saul. And then it says at the end of that verse, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. He's shouting at him. He's trying to intimidate them. He's defying them. The, the, the word for defy literally means to curse. He's cursing their God. He's trying to scare them. And, and guess what? It worked. Look at the next verse. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Terrified and deeply shaken. Now, I wonder if there's anyone at church this weekend that's terrified. Maybe you're deeply shaken at a giant that is standing between you and, and what God wants to do in your life. You know, you've listened to the, the taunts and maybe it's a fear and it just seems so big and so overwhelming that you're just, you're terrified to even step into it. You know, it's actually a really common tactic of the enemy. Our giants usually look a lot worse than they really are. That's not, this, not to say that they're not real and that our problems aren't, aren't real, but oftentimes they, they look worse in our heads than they really are. When I was in high school, I played basketball. Many of you would just assume that, I'm sure, by my height and stature. But we had a guy on our team. Uh, his name was Drew. And Drew was a big guy. Drew is about six foot, nine inches tall. Uh, maybe six, eight, I think is actually what he was. I'm ex I just exaggerated. He's six foot, eight inches tall. And he, but he weighed over 300 pounds. He was a football player, but he played on our basketball team. 
And we all knew that Drew wasn't actually very good. I mean, he's kind of average basketball player, but man, Drew was intimidating. And so what we would do is we would put him in the front of our line. You know, when we would come out, uh, the cheerleaders would hold up like a banner every time we would start a game. We would bust through the banner and run out and start our warmups. Drew was always the first guy to come through. And of course, we would run around, we're following Drew, and the other team would always be like, oh my goodness. You know, you could see them kind of sizing up Drew. And Drew wasn't that great, but we would always start Drew because one thing Drew could do really well is win the opening tip-off. He didn't have to jump. he just, you know, <laughs> win the ball. Uh, but, but we would typically get off to an early lead because the other team was so distracted by Drew, by the giant, that they kind of forgot to execute their game plan. They weren't listening to their coach anymore. That's what happened to the Israelite army. They all got so preoccupied with, with the giant, with Goliath, that they quit listening to their God. That they forgot that God had given them promises and that God, God had made them promises that this was going to be an easy battle, but they, they were so focused on their giant that they lost perspective. You know, it's interesting. All of Israel looked at this giant with fear and anxiety. You know what the difference was with David? Perspective. Perspective. See, when David looked at giant, he knew that his God was far bigger than this giant. Most people looked at Goliath and they thought, man, he's way too big to defeat. David looked at Goliath and he said, you know what? He's way too big to miss. He's way too big to miss. He put his giant in perspective. The Bible says Goliath was over nine feet tall. His armor was 125 pounds and even the tip of his spear was 15 pounds. And so David looked at this guy. Remember, he knows what he can do. He knows that he's a slinger. He goes, man, this is a sitting duck. He's got, not going to be very fast because he's got all this armor on him. This giant's way too big to miss. And it's a change in perspective. The story's known as one of the great underdog stories of all times. So we like to talk about David taking down the Goliaths in our lives. The truth is David was a favorite in this battle. He wins this battle every single time because he has his giant in perspective. The second giant killing thought, kind of confidence build, builder for us. When it looks like it's too big to beat... I'm going to look at it as too big to miss. I'm going to look at it as too big to miss. See, in our battles with our giants, we need to remind ourselves, you're not the underdog. You're the favorite. How can you be an underdog if Romans 8.31 is true? It says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? How can you be an underdog when, when you, you have God on your side? If, you are, if you're trying to live out the purposes that he has for your life, if you're pursuing the dreams that he's planted in your heart, you are not an underdog to overcome whatever giant it is that you're dealing with. Where do you need to get some perspective on your giant? Is it fear? It's been so loud and, and overwhelming and it's kind of paralyzed you from, from taking action. Put it in perspective. God is for you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. And that's the giant that you've been facing. And you've kind of decided, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna deal with this for the rest of my life. I'm never gonna actually overcome this thing. Put that in perspective. That's not true. That's a lie that the enemy would love for you to, to live with and, and, and deal with. But the truth is that the same power that overcame the grave, the same power that raised Jesus up from the dead is available to you and I to overcome. We are overcomers. The Bible says we're more than conquerors. We're the, the head and not the tail. We're not gonna just live defeated by the enemy. We're gonna get perspective on our giants. 
So David embraced the preparation seasons. He put his giant in perspective. Here's another thing that we can learn from this story. We need to learn to focus on the prize more than the problem. Focus on the prize more than the problem. This is interesting to me. If you look what happened in verse 25 through 30. Yeah, I'd never really noticed this in the way that I did this week, but check this out. He shows up onto the scene and everybody's talking about this big problem. The scripture says, have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. That's interesting. David seems to become hyper fixated on that. And this is what I hadn't noticed. Look how many times David, he hears it once there and then look what happens. David goes to another group of soldiers. He asks a soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. Then he has this encounter with his brother. His older brother kind of belittles him some. But then again, in verse 30, he walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and he received the same answer. Three times, three times David asks about the prize. Everyone else is focused on this Goliath. And David's like, dude, say it again. Wait a minute, the person who kills this guy gets what? Gets a wife? Wow, now here's the deal. David is, he's young, he's about 15 years old. Man, I want you to kind of take yourself back to 15 years old. You remember the girl in your class that you had no chance of getting? David's, he, the Bible says he's ruddy-faced and he's, you know, he may have been a favorite in the battle to beat Goliath, but he was a major underdog in landing the king's daughter as a wife. And so he's like, dude, are you, like, really? Like, I could, I've been a shepherd all of his life. He, he's excited about this prospect of marrying this girl. He's fixated on the prize. And then not paying taxes for the rest of your life? Go ahead and play that one out. How's that going to change? Yeah, come on now. Let's get fixated on the prize. David somehow seemed to, in all of this chaos, everyone else is talking about the giant. 40 days they've been paralyzed. And he's like, what? Yeah, I'll go for it. Man, I can do that. There's a prize at the end of this problem. His focus was clearly on that prize. Giant killing thought number three, a confidence booster. Instead of being distracted by the problem, I'm going to focus on the payoff. I'm going to focus on the payoff. What's the prize that you need to be focused on? What is it? What's the prize? Do you have a a dream or an opportunity, Goliath, in front of you, and it just seems a little bit scary? Seems, I don't know if I can do it. I, I think about several friends of mine in this church who at some point in their journey had a vision to start a new business to open up their own deal. And there are all kinds of problems with it. There are all kinds of financial challenges and risk. And some of them had to quit their jobs in order to do it. And, but they seem to be able to be fixated on the prize, on the vision, on the dream. You know, the dream is what motivates us. Maybe you're in a relationship right now and could be a breakup. You know, maybe you're dating somebody and you broke up and you've been so focused on, on the end of something that, that, that you miss. Maybe God wants you to be focused on the, the prize. That if, if this wasn't his will, his will for you is so much better and it's gonna be so good. Maybe you're in a marriage 
and you're fighting and you're struggling and maybe you've been to counseling and it just seems like, man, this problem in my marriage is too big. Man, I can tell you as a guy who's gone through some marriage problems, man, the payoff is worth it. The friendship on the other side of that conflict, the, the intimacy that you can have with, with your spouse having gone through some things and together working through difficult things in your marriage, man, the prize is worth it. Get focused on the prize. Maybe you're addicted to something. Can you imagine? Have you forgotten? Have you not been thinking about the prize, what it would feel like to, to be free from that, to live in freedom? Man, we got to get focused on the prize. So if we're going to kill our giants, embrace the preparation seasons, get better, not bitter. We're going to put our giant in perspective, too big to miss, not too big to defeat. We're going to focus on the prize more than the problem. The last thought here, so we can learn from this story, is if we're going to overcome the giants in our life, we have to learn to fight with the right weapons, fight with the right weapons. And your battle with your giants Please, whatever you do, don't be like the guy in this clip. <laughs> Come on now, that was too good not to show. That's, uh, that's Steven Spielberg's uh, retelling of the story of David and Goliath, just Indiana Jones, similar deal. You know, Goliath, honestly, that's what Goliath was. He showed up to a, a, a fight with a sword when the other guy had a gun. You know, he was fighting with the wrong weapons. David showed up with the right weapons, not only physically. He had the sling. He had prepared. He was ready. But I believe it, it runs so much deeper than that for David. I believe David wins this fight even if he goes in with his bare hands because David knew that he was coming. He was fighting with the right weapons. Look what he said in verse 45, said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, my confidence isn't even in my own skill. It's in the fact that I am fighting on behalf of the God of heaven, and you have positioned yourself against him. And so he comes in using the right weapons. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. Those are the wrong weapons. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. See, David had some confidence. He knew he was fighting with the right, right weapons. He was fighting with the weapon of faith. See, it runs far deeper than a faith in his abilities or talents. It's, it's a faith that's based on a track record with God. It's a faith that's based on the fact that the God that he serves and the God that you and I serve has never entered into a battle that he lost, including the one with death. The God that we serve is the undefeated champion. Goliath had nothing on this God. David was fighting with faith. He talks like he's never even considered the possibility that this battle hasn't already been won. And then look how he steps into the moment. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. There's no hesitation. Reaching into his bag, taking out the stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead 
and he fell face down on the ground. And the battle is won, the tides are turned, and David, this young shepherd boy, would go on to become king of Israel and become the best king that Israel has ever known. I love that it says David ran quickly towards his giant. He didn't hesitate. He knew that it was his moment to step into in faith. David wasn't fighting for victory. He was fighting from victory. He already knew that the victory was won. I had a guy ask me between one of the services, well, why did he have five stones? There are a lot of different theories on that. I would say because he was confident, not cocky. He was ready just in case. People have a lot of different theories on that, but, but he was fighting from victory. It's a whole different mentality when you go after a giant knowing that the battle has already been won. See, th then you're operating in a place of faith. Think about love. I mean, some of us live our lives trying to find love or for love or for approval. And it's a totally different battle, a totally different experience when we live our lives from love, not for love. Knowing that, that God has already approved us through what he did by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. It's a totally different battle when you fight with the right weapons. Giant killer number four, and probably my favorite one, whatever you're facing today, whatever Goliath that you're facing, it's never about what I can't do. It's always about what God can do through me. It's always about what God can do through me. Let's fight with the right weapons. Are you in a marriage that's struggling right now? Maybe the weapons that you've been fighting with are raising your voice or maybe passive-aggressive nature. Maybe you've been name-calling or you know, just battling, you know, by just avoiding conflict. You've been using those weapons and it's not working out very well. What if you fought with a different set of weapons? What if you fought with words of life and encouragement into your spouse? What if you spoke about your spouse, not to who they are right now, but who they could be and who they will be with God's help? You think that would change the nature of that relationship? What if you fought with the weapons of, of serving them? Going, I wonder if there's a need that my spouse has right now that I could be a part of meeting. I find a way to serve them that changes things. Maybe you've been fighting an addiction and the weapon that you've been using is willpower and I'm gonna try harder and I'm gonna continue to isolate myself. So you know what, I'm gonna fight with a different weapon. What if I use the weapon of acknowledging that I can't beat this on my own? I need some help, I need to talk to somebody, maybe join a Celebrate Recovery group or connect with somebody that can help me, recognizing that, that it's, it's beyond my ability to do it on my own, but with God's help, through God's people, I can overcome this. Some of us are facing financial giants. Man, on the surface, it's way more than I can handle. And we've been fighting these giants by maybe accumulating more debt or spending more. Maybe we just fought different. What if you cut up the credit card and said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live differently now so that I can live differently then. And, and when we said, I'm going to downsize, I'm going to make some hard choices. Some of us financially, we need to fight by choosing to put God first in our finances. I heard a story of a seacoaster this week that was $700,000 in debt a few years ago, just stressed out under this mountain of debt. And 
he would wake up every morning at three o'clock in the morning and from three to six, he would just walk the streets of his neighborhood because he couldn't sleep because he was so overwhelmed by, by the, the financial burden that his family was dealing with. And as he and his wife were talking about it and praying with it, they decided to trust God with their finances in that moment when it didn't make any sense. And they began to honor God financially, giving him a tenth. And, and over time, God fought on their behalf and they saw some windfalls that they never could have seen otherwise. And it's not about a, a health and wealth kind of thing, but it's about a trust issue. Going, man, can I trust God with this giant financial, emotional, relational, whatever it might be? Let's fight differently. We all have a, a common giant among us today. Every one of us deals with the giant of sin and ultimately separation from God. It's a spiritual giant, a spiritual battle. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And, and because of that, it, it creates a, a, a chasm between us and God. And maybe you've been fighting that giant by hoping that maybe at the end of the day, if you do enough good, it'll outweigh the bad that you've done. And, and at the end of the day, you'll stand before God and go, God, I, I mean, I did, I did this and I did that and I did this. And, and I hope that's enough to find approval for you. Unfortunately, the Bible says that's not the way that it works. And this crowd, man, it's good, it's a good, it's good news for us that, that it has nothing to do with our own ability. But we, we conquer, we slay that giant by receiving a gift that actually Jesus already did it. He went to the cross to, to defeat sin on all of our behalfs. And so we can say, you know what, I can't beat it. But what I can do is receive the free gift of life through you. And then you and I together, we can beat it. You know, he did all the heavy lifting. All we have to do is say, you know what, I'm not gonna keep trying to do it my way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Some of us need to do that today. Maybe you've never done that. I'd encourage you to do it today. But many of us were facing giants today. And my prayer is that much like David did, we would run after him, full of faith that God can on our behalf overcome. Would you guys pray with me as we close? God, I thank you so much for, Lord, this church. I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I thank you that you've not brought any of us here by accident, God. And I know that every Goliath, every giant that is represented in this room, Lord, there are some that are just really, really big. Lord, and in no way do I mean to belittle any issues, any problems that any of us are dealing with, God, but I thank you that there's not a single one of them, Lord, that in light of your power, in light of, of your spirit, Lord, that, that can't be overcome, that can't be slayed. And God, I thank you, Lord, that every person that's here, Lord, has a, a purpose, a calling, a destiny that you have for us. So Lord, let us be a people that would not just think about attacking our giants, but that we would run towards them. That Lord, we would slay them with confidence that comes not because of our ability, but because of what you have already done. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.